Welcome back to Chit Talk, where we talk about really good shit. My name is Annika. And my name is Rithu. Follow us on our socials, here to Chit Talk and Instagram for sneak previews, audio clips, and more. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Let's dive in. I think this topic in many ways is super relevant to to us and to everyone else just because media is always, you know, transforming. It's always adapting to the way we live and everything that we're doing. And I think it's so funny because, you know, you and I, we just jumped from Zencaster, which is what we usually use our podcasting uh, recording platform to just, you know, record our, our interviews and, and our own personal podcasts on, yeah. but now we had to make the switch to zoom and we're always like having this ever changing platform. <laughs> we're like, which one's going to be better for But also week? it's, it's like this perpetual terror that our, our, yeah. uh, our technical difficulties are going to get the best of us. You know what I mean? I know every single time there's always something going on. And like, even in the pandemic world that we live in right now, it's so crucial to just like, adapt to technology and just find a means through various platforms and trying to adapt to them as well. So it's, it's always changing. You know, we might find that Zencaster might work for us one day and then zoom another day. And then if we bring in another person or or something like that for an interview, like we might use a different platform. So it was got to be super malleable, but um, yeah, I think it's super relevant to this week's topic because media is also ever changing. I was looking into the history of me or just television specifically because I was like mm-hmm. hmm, let's have a look into this television as we know it like commercially is actually still less than 100 years old isn't that crazy whoa yeah so um apparently <clears throat> um television came into like it's it's popularity or like its commercial use in the 1940s and it got to a point where the people were selling television sets in 1949 up to like Americans were buying up to a hundred thousand television sets per week. Wait, one person was just buying a hundred. No, 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 no. Oh. Americans, Americans, the <laughs> Americans, people, the people in general. Yes. Got it. Got it. I thought yes, it was just yes, one yes. person out there. I was like, that's a lot of money for 1940s, but that's still, <laughs> but, that's still a crazy amount though. Yeah. So like people were as, as, television became like less about the rich owning a piece of technology to like Mm -hmm. commercial use people just started buying television on television on television and then it came into popularity with like sitcoms and stuff like that and now here we are with streaming services which is like a completely oh who would have thought like who would have thought those people Mm -hmm. in the 40s would be like we would be watching tv from any possible way like from your phone from your computer like mm-hmm. while you're traveling and every you possible hold it in your screen hand. yeah exactly you can even watch it in like bathrooms sometimes i think there was a cactus <laughs> club downtown where you could actually like watch tvs in a bathroom oh my god um, really it was very bizarre yeah like whatever was on like the tv screens there or something like that um yeah, it's just everywhere you go, or like every screen that you look at, there is always a means of media coming through it. And, you know, whether it's on your mobile devices or on your own TV, on your smart TV, even there's always different streaming platforms that are like on demand for you as well. Oh, totally. But yeah. going back, do you remember when we used to pay for cable? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> like people used to get 
television channels, like subscribe to television mm-hmm. channels and then pay for that package. And yeah. we also used to rent DVDs and VHS tapes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you remember Blockbuster? Oh my God. You know what? I actually gave that some thought. So some mm. of you may know this, but others may not. But did you guys know that Netflix actually used to be a DVD delivering service in the 90s? I did not know that. Yeah. What? So Netflix so- was doing that in the 90s and then they transformed into a streaming platform in like the 2010s-ish, mm-hmm. I think. I don't even know when Netflix became a streaming platform. but Definitely 2010s, I think. Yeah. And yeah. so I just wonder if Blockbuster adapted that way whether or not they'd still be around because blockbuster as some of you may or may not know uh went bankrupt and went out of business and nobody was renting dvds or vhs's anymore right yeah yeah that's really smart actually i think they would if they had that foresight i think they would definitely adapt to it and maybe be a huge competitor to netflix do you do you recall what netflix what the company was called back in the day when it they was still first called started Netflix. Out? It was still called Netflix. Really? Yeah. It was oh, still called okay. Netflix in the 90s, but except that people could like go on the computer and decide what they wanted to watch and then mm-hmm. request a delivery of said DVD. So it was like, Interesting. it was basically like if Uber Eats and Netflix, or sorry, Uber Eats and Blockbuster had a baby, you know, like you could just yeah. <laughs> have it delivered to you instead of going into the store and buying it yourself. I mean, like, you know, Blockbuster isn't a thing anymore, RIP, but I think <laughs> there was one last remaining Blockbuster location that has been turned into an Airbnb. So what? for like only $3,000 a night, yeah, you and your friends could like <laughs> go there, stay there, and they've like revamped it to like, it's not like a house, but you know, there's like different, like large living spaces so you can go there just get any um videotape that you want off of the shelves and just watch it right then and there with your friends that you know people are paying a lot for nostalgia these days oh 100 (laughs) percent. speaking of nostalgia um i actually wrote this down because i was like this you're gonna laugh i swear i've told you this story but when i went to Mm -hmm. india like in 20 2018 or something like that i was going through my old stuff because uh one of my uncles has um our family stuff like they kept it in storage from when we lived in india Mm -hmm. and there was like a vhs tape in there and my Mm -hmm. cousin who was like 11 or 12 at the time picks it up and says what is this rectangle with two circles in it and i'm like what the hell is he talking about (laughs) and then i look and he literally picked up the vhs tape and i nearly threw him out the window Mm -hmm. because i was like you're aging me significantly (laughs) i know oh my goodness that reminds me i i recently had a conversation with my friend cody and we were just talking about like you know when we were in our teen angst phase and we're like listening to music on cd players and i was like oh, wow yeah. i completely forgot about the existence of cd players like it was just i don't know it was just crazy to think about and just like you know taking walk down memory lane again but well, um, totally yeah. and also remember putting cassettes in your car like into your yes. car radio and you only had like few songs and you had to pop them out and then flip them over to the other side to play the yes. other side and yeah what a wild it's- time and now we can just stream anything through through spotify through like youtube yeah through apple music yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy because like everything's available to us like out of con- absolute convenience. Like mm-hmm. it is just with a touch of a button, as long as you're subscribed or like you pay money for it, you can use it at any point from anywhere as long as you have internet. 
Yeah, exactly. And like even even news and like information as well. Early 2000s, we were still receiving news through tangible objects like, you know, reading the newspaper or magazines. But now this has changed so much where we now receive information through various screens, whether it's through like the means of news channels on TV or like online journalism. Or even social media. Like, let's be real. I get my news through Twitter. Like, Twitter sends news updates. Yeah, like, whenever whenever something is going on in the world, like, if it's trending and it's trending big enough, Twitter will inform me that it is a news topic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, there's news articles online and there's, like, news sites. So I tend to go on, like, you know, the BBC or, like, New York Times. Mm -hmm. And I even get my information through... um, the New York Times Instagram account because the, yeah. the the videos and like the um the photos are just so incredible and they have like a huge article at the bottom as well and they're like oh click through if you want to read more and mm. I'm like yeah heck I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely read it but yeah just more and more people every day are just turning away from newspapers and like leaning into more online web sources to collect their news and sometimes they're even removing all the above you know like just simply as googling google searching a topic and just reading the headlines as well so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. i think it really boils down to um people's time because time is money money is time and just the attention span that people have nowadays because i think it's been reduced so much through the decades um with media and its transformation so but also i actually uh you just got me thinking about a topic because you were talking about how like people have everything accessible to them because of the internet right Mm -hmm. but or like having access to the news but do you know there's actually like an issue with internet access in a lot of places like i I, and i mean like Mm -hmm. in north america in itself so like the lack of internet yeah no i didn't Uh, know that i knew i knew it in china because i know there's a whole like ongoing controversy about china wanting to use google and and so like when my mom went there for work in China, you know, it was, it was so difficult to communicate with her because there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no Google. So she couldn't like search anything th- through like the means of Googling things. Everything was on like WeChat. So it was just very, very limited. Uh, the amount of like media that was on there, the amount of information was also like very, very limited as well. So yeah, but I didn't realize that that was the case in in North America, though. Yeah, so um, I was uh, I was just trying to pull up this article, but basically, um, on the Atlantic there was this article called "America's Inter- Terrible Internet Is Making Quarantine Worse: Why Millions of Students Still Can't Get Online." And so, because of this, like internet, the the digital divide they call mm. it, um, some some kids don't have access to internet to actually oh. learn or like even have the basic ability to google something just like we can isn't that crazy Mm, wow that's that's insane what what is the reason for them not being able to connect to the internet basically it's several broadband advocates i'm quoting it several broadband advocates told us it's too late in the pandemic to try and dig up cables into every american's yard Mm. and so they need to like insert in optic fiber fiber optic and all of that stuff and so because of the rurality of of them and like the nature of like how far away they are from the more popular uh, population dense places in the states they have limited access to the internet wow that's that's also very interesting to hear that we're we've become so dependable 
on on the internet and like having it as like an extension of us right like we need to have mm-hmm. it to like grow our own presence or like you know post our own photos and share what we're doing and and learn and you know get this education and connect with other people like you know you and I are both working from home at the moment and this is yeah. the way that we have to communicate and connect with people and do our own job like many other millions of people right now during covid so it's just it's so like baffling to to think that we are so dependable on on the internet right now because yeah. like 20 years ago like what People internet were... yeah, <laughs> we everyone... wait for dial up to like you remember the dial up sound oh my god i'm so triggered <laughs> and it takes about like i don't know 20 minutes to like download something and yeah oh, oh my goodness yeah but like now yeah. in, with one click you can get there right mm-hmm And yeah, just to not to jump back too much, but um, to dive into the traditional structure of um, media and transformation and then talking about the present day as well. I just wrote here that the industry has been transformed with, you know, so many different waves of digitization, mm. um, digitalization, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> since the early 2000s. So even if that encompasses like file sharing, streaming, social media and mobile devices, uh, devices to say a few. Yeah. Um, many of this is driven by the impatience of consumers to access content from anywhere in the world at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like social media, video streaming services, smartphone apps, yeah. they all compete continuously for our attention. And so Daniel Newman's article, Top Four Digital Transformations, Trends in the Media and Entertainment on Forbes, he summarized it perfectly. And he said, people want content on demand, tailored to their interests and accessible anytime they want it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to talking about how media is tailored to our interests or the success of media depends on how well it is catered to our interests. I even think about the fact that like generationally there's there's a huge difference. Like we're we're mm-hmm. on the cusp of like Gen Z and we're on the cusp of millennial, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I've already seen the way streaming services have transformed because we went from Netflix and then other people started hopping on like Amazon Prime, Hulu, Hulu. HBO, like all Apple. of these people, Apple, exactly. And so mm-hmm. all of them started doing it. And then now, like now apps like Snapchat have short form videos that are like phone sized right? and they're, they're catered towards like gen Z, pretty much and Mm -hmm. they tried out quibi for a little bit which did not work um (laughs) but like the the fact is is that like the the, you're so right about the attention span because it's just getting shorter and shorter and shorter because Mm -hmm. now people are watching tiktoks and tiktoks are what like 45 seconds to a minute yeah Um, and they they just like yeah and they just like keep going past it and so now people are even losing interest in netflix in itself isn't that crazy I, that's really funny that you mentioned that. Cause even I do that, like I'm hundred percent guilty of doing this where I would just put on a TV show and then just aimlessly swipe through TikTok and even find that more like 
engrossingly entertaining than what's on screen in front of mm-hmm. me like another screen in front of me where I'm like meant to be watching this tv show like I'll be putting working moms in the background and like I would just completely zone out and then I would just focus on you know the tiktok video and like a 10-step uh, dish that you can make in one pot you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like wow that's so cool I could definitely do that or like I'd watch some sort of like bizarre dancing video and I'm like wow this is so like fascinating for the exact four seconds that I'm like watching this for <laughs> but it's just you're constantly like bombarded with so many different um, things to grab our attention where our attention span is just so reduced by this. And it's just, it's concerning because I feel like- It really is. Yeah, because I feel like a lot less people are engaged with, you know, longer films or reading books and doing these other things where, you know, they can just focus their attention on one thing that doesn't ask them to- to just like watch it aimlessly without like having a thought about it you know I mean we're all guilty of this I'm sure like it it started with Instagram because the Mm -hmm. way that Instagram's set up is just catered towards that that endless scroll yeah yeah that endless scroll and then they just copy and pasted that specific feature to every single app that you could possibly imagine like Mm -hmm. and so with TikTok specifically I don't know how many times I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll hop on TikTok for like five minutes while I'm waiting to do this one thing before I know it. It's like two hours, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And And that's how they get you because like they don't show you the time either. Whenever you open the app, you can never see the time on the top of your screen. Have you never noticed that? (gasps) Well, next time you pop on there, just check out how they remove the time on your top screen. Because like on Instagram, you can still tell the time, right? At least I think so. Um, I think (laughs) you're like, don't quote me on that. I don't know. (laughs) Don't don't quote me on it. But um, I'm pretty sure like it's just TikTok where if you go on the app, it's like a full size screen and then you can't see um the time so like I would go in there for like like you said five minutes and then an hour later I'm like okay what year is it like <laughs> I've been on this app like <laughs> don't even know who I am anymore but I've watched like 10 cooking videos and like three like witch talk videos and I'm on this like spiral down on this I don't know it's just very very bizarre but um, I, I yeah. think I, I mentioned this to you but I've been trying a lot to like stay off of the phone Mm -hmm. Um, or just like trying to be more present with, with other people. And so like, I, I, I'm doing this thing. So I I am sure all of you iPhone users can empathize at the end of the week when your iPhone's like, you've spent this much percent of time. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me these things. Take your negativity elsewhere. I don't want to see it. When they're like, oh, you've spent an average of this many hours per day on your phone. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is gross. Like, I hate I hate this. And at some point, um, as someone that like gets terribly anxious sometimes, the amount of like different, um, the amount of different media sources that are coming into you, it's like super overstimulating. And Mm -hmm. like, I get more anxious, (laughs) like with all of these different things, just hundred percent coming my way. Right. Yeah. That I definitely felt the case, especially when um, I think it was about two weeks ago or three weeks ago now when uh, the Capitol building was, you know, oh, my gosh, um, when it was like terrorized and people were rioting and everyone was like, you know, it was just so many means of news outlets just coming at you from all different sorts of places like you can even go on social media just like like a photo and just see cute dog videos like it was just media and news just coming from all sorts of directions. So it was just like. Like you mentioned before, it's just an overstimulation of 
of news and is just creating more anxiety. So actually going back to, sorry, uh, I wrote down a couple of facts here. So they were, uh, they were basically uh, breaking down streaming, streaming services by, um, by usage. And so they were talking about which people in a public survey that they conducted, like which people stuck with Netflix um, Mm -hmm. and like all of these different things. So 86% stuck with Netflix. 41% uh, 41% also had Amazon Prime Mm -hmm. um, and 25% had Hulu and Disney Plus wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, well, I mean, obviously we don't have Hulu. Hulu's like not a thing here in Canada, Mm. but it's very popular in the States. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, Disney Plus is like not even amongst the first choices at all. (laughs) That's surprising. When, when was that stat presented? I think it was probably like earlier on because Disney it was, it was earlier on like I think uh, the article was like earlier on in like late either late 2019 or early 2020 oh, okay. before before the pandemic really went into full right screen. yeah because um, I think Disney plus were pretty smart about it like Disney's Disney's fairly like fairly clever with when they announce things when they like market things and mm-hmm. when they like show their new tv shows right yeah um another reason why soul was so big like as a movie because it really like um it was meant for the older generations and like now we're going through the pandemic and we're like you know uh just worried about like we're having like midlife crises at like 20 years old and it was just a great movie <laughs> for that um but yeah i think disney plus definitely came around like just just recently i think during totally. the pandemic and honestly yeah. like i i have to be real uh i was one of those people that's like ah disney plus like i it's not I love Disney and I love mm-hmm. everything about it. But I, at first I was like, mm, it's not going to be worth it because as much as it is like having our old like favorite Disney movies like Hercules mm-hmm. or, you know, The Little Mermaid or like old Mickey Mouse movies or <laughs> whatever it is, it wasn't giving me enough new stuff to actually watch and then the mandalorian came out exactly and, and now yeah. like wandavision which is super cool and exactly. like kind of that's weird. It's it's so good. I love WandaVision so much. I'm so excited for it. And like um I was discussing like um all these theories with Cody because he read the the comic books, House of oh, Them. Oh cool. But um that's literally how Disney does it though, because they know that you're just gonna purchase the subscription just for like the nostalgic factor right mm-hmm. and then that's how they really win by just like releasing few new episodes here and there mm-hmm. and they come out like every week so then you have to like purchase for like the next five months right obviously yeah. as one does yeah but that's that's really neat that like disney plus wasn't on the list just as of yet i think now it would be a little bit different i think mm-hmm. definitely now would be up there just because everyone's like working from home and they've yeah. got their children at home too so naturally they would have their children watch disney plus so oh yeah. i was i was also gonna say like the fact is is that disney's like really stepping up their game right because mm-hmm. now they're releasing aside from the mandalorian they're releasing a whole bunch of other like star wars related tv shows that they're doing and marvel like, too marvel too yeah mm-hmm. exactly like like loki that's gonna be awesome so i was reading an article basically they were saying a lot of the people in the article were like oh yeah we only got streaming services because we want to watch this show or like new movies or this and that and so many people were not watching for new content but i feel Mm. like all of those all of those people that participated in the survey were probably older than our generation because i feel like a lot of people our age are really really pro original content on these streaming services i'd like to think so yeah because like 
I I think that uh, some of these people were saying that streaming services will die because it's not convenient anymore because so many people like so many different companies have their own streaming services now right like mm-hmm. Hulu, Amazon Prime, Peacock which is like NBC, um right. HBO Max, uh Crave here in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And so um I actually read somewhere that hold on a second where did I write that down? There are 300 streaming services that are available in America. 300? Yes. I and thought there was niche. like four. <laughs> no, there are niche, like niche ones, okay. like Shudder, right? Which is like a horror like movie one. Horror right? movies and all yeah. of that. And it has like all of the bad B list movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just basically those people were saying that they're going to stop using streaming because there are so many options and so many different things. And eventually it'll become just as expensive as having cable. Mm -hmm. And I think so too. And then people are going to go back to pirating again, which, which, I mean, I can see that happening, but I Mm -hmm. think that because a lot of our generation and younger than us are really into the original content, whether it's movies or TV, like WandaVision, um, right. or, you know, all of that, people will will still be on streaming services because mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I can't say too much about the pirating. I'm not too sure if that's going to ever happen. But I think right now what's happening with Amazon Prime especially is that they're introducing advertisements, right? So in between like the beginning and I think I don't know too much about the end I think towards the beginning of the movie they show about like five other like Amazon Prime videos or like Mm -hmm. other items so they're going to slowly introduce more ads between between you know movies and TV shows so I think Mm -hmm. in the near future they're probably going to do the exact same with Netflix and Hulu and and other items and Disney Plus even as well Mm -hmm. um just to just to maintain the people there right so it's slowly going to revert back to having cable television where you have ads and commercial breaks in between too right but I think the really smart way that Netflix has maintained a lot of its users is like you mentioned um creating its own original content right Mm -hmm. and so when they create their own tv shows and create their own movies where we can't see anywhere else like on amazon prime or Mm -hmm. crave tv um that makes it that makes it unique to us and therefore we have to get that streaming service because we can't find that anywhere else Mm -hmm. and so like disney plus did the exact same thing with like the mandalorian and how they released mulan and you know how they didn't release it in cinemas but they released it online instead and you had to pay another like 30 bucks to watch it yeah i think they're gonna do that in the future as well because like in the pandemic right now you can't watch anything in cinemas anymore i mean you can but it's 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 not like capacity it's also with restrictions it depends on where you are in your lockdown so yeah and like even even some movies like um you know the new james bond movie oh god yeah so james bond and i think the new Candyman movie by jordan peele which i'm like super excited for (gasps) those are like being paused right now like they were meant to come out last year but i think they're being just you know put on pause at the moment until cinemas can open again because you know it's meant to be like a huge theatrical experience but i think they're just trying to put on pause just because movies like Tenant, which was released into mm. cinemas, didn't quite get enough money from people going to cinemas and watching it as like a full-blown experience. Yeah. Um, so I think people like that and like production companies and um, 
like filmmakers, they're going to move into releasing them online and releasing them through Netflix or whatever means, right? And then asking us like pay for it. So I think the same thing happened with like Wonder Woman 1984 too, right? Like, oh, really? Yeah, wasn't it? I feel like it was released on on a streaming platform because because of that like because people couldn't go into theaters and actually watch it for example like i never thought in my entire life that my parents would get rid of cable in exchange for streaming platforms but they did like my dad got rid of cable because he just never uses any anymore and Mm -hmm. he has netflix and amazon prime and that's like his two things and he has a smart tv so he uses the apps for like bbc al jazeera and like he can watch the news from there directly Mm -hmm. from the internet so why bother anymore right yeah exactly and i think with you know living within a covid world I think the pandemic has like been a catalyst for change in so many ways Mm. and like in the ways that we think and how we perceive things, how we like absorb things as well. And so like I I wrote here that um, I think, you know, the Oculus and other VR headsets will Mm. slowly decrease in price just slightly as they become more attainable for like the average consumer, right? And the average customer. Mm -hmm. So I think this would then make it more accessible to the average person and perhaps this will impact the way we view and watch tv shows and movies and experience like shows and sports even so i think this will become more excuse me (laughs) i think this will become more immersive in the near future Mm -hmm. and i think this would also expand the way we we watch movies and tv shows as well because like you know the pandemic has really shown us the ways in which we miss experiencing travel or sporting events or concerts and movies even so Mm -hmm. i think like vr and ar will be able to bridge this gap in the future totally i i mean imagine like um well i mean okay the the first thought that popped into my head was um there was this game called resident it was just resident evil 7 and they Mm -hmm. had it's basically like a movie like the entire game it's very like you still use a console uh you still use a controller it's very first person but the way that the story is being told and the quality of the video game in itself is so intricate so Mm -hmm. you have the ability to use a vr headset to play it so imagine being like immersed in the world fully while you're playing this story and like figuring things out right like that can only be the next level when it comes to entertainment Um, i would literally shit myself (laughs) it was like it was terrifying it was so scary it's so scary like um there's now plasmophobia which we've discussed before um yes which came out on on vr headsets and so my boyfriend ivor has been playing it with his friends and so they would put on the headset and be immersed in this like really scary haunted house Mm -hmm. game where they have to um find the ghost and find different clues and what type of ghost it is so they can like you know use a cross to repel the devil or whatnot (laughs) but it's just it's very eerie because it's so immersive and it's so true to like it's um like it's real reality so like it looks exactly like you know a hotel room or like it's you know like an abandoned hospital for instance and it's just it's so eerie because it's so true to like what it is in real life um minus the ghosts maybe i don't know if like (laughs) i mean um, so when when i was when i was playing um 
uh, when I was playing Resident Evil, I made the mistake of adjusting the, you know how like before you have to calibrate the VR headset. Mm-hmm. Um, have they like with, adjust the lighting? Yeah. And I just, yeah. I was just like, oh, I'll just make it normal. And I regretted that so much. I should have turned up the brightness so, so much higher. <laughs> I am so jumpy. I can just imagine like how you would like act if you saw it, but like, you know what? Things emerging. I'll be real. I, I have, so I started playing the game. And I put on the VR headset. It was like so immersive. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And mm. as I got to the front door before I went into the house and I couldn't see into the house, I immediately took off the headset. I was like, nope, 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 nope. We're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so scary. And I'm so glad I didn't play it in VR because I literally would have shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I had... I have played um, Super Hots in VR, which is a lot of fun, but I, like, they're just red figures that are just trying to kill you, and they don't look like human beings at all. They just look like statues of, like, male figures that are trying mm. to come close to you, and then time is stopped unless you move, so whenever you move, time keeps moving, and you have to, like, dodge bullets and stuff, but I, like, that freaked me out so much, so I'm just, like, I can't, if I can't stand just, like, red blobs of people, like, how am I going to deal with, like, just actual people? <laughs> you know within or like monsters or monsters like i can't do half-life either i have to like watch from a distance or like watch ivor play vr from like the computer <laughs> you know but just to just to jump back a little bit um just to talk about like you know how the pandemic has shown us the ways in which it can bridge us to different experiences that we're lacking at the moment travis scott did this like really interesting virtual concert within the game fortnite and so like it was so it was so clever and creative because like it created so much hype it generated more users for the game Mm. and it boosted like fortnite street cred too right because like it's you know it's Travis travis scott like it's lit um but it made it more interactive and more immersive as an experience so people could like go into the game and like see the show as it was there and like see him rap as like a 3d animation character i guess that's kind of weird but like um but yeah i um i have a quote here from verizon media's ceo guru garwapin Uh, I think I'm totally butchering his name, (laughs) but he's creating Verizon Media Immersive. And so this company is meant to, I think, in the near future, become quite a large like U.S. company for AR, VR, and MR, which is mixed reality. Mm. And so he says here that we are on a verge of one of the most significant transformations in the way we interact. Oh, excuse me. With the way we interface with digital content since the invention of a smartphone so we believe extended reality which is xr Mm -hmm. which encapsulates like vr ar and mr extended reality is the next stage of digital content evolution and this allows us to enhance our world in a more natural and human way as new hardware such as ar glasses and cloud streamed low latency graphics hit the market so He's thinking that extended reality content will definitely take center stage in the near future. That would be so freaking cool. That would mm-hmm. be so cool. And I I can't wait to live in a future that's like that. <laughs> you know what's you know what's really funny though? We've already seen AR ads in the works through sponsored filters on Instagram and Snapchat. So that's already happening right now. We're like, sponsored you know when you put filters. on yeah, whenever you put on a Snapchat filter and it says like, oh, it's sponsored by Starbucks or you put yeah. on an Instagram filter and it's sponsored by like 
um Sean Mendes or like yeah. you know his his new album and it has like cool AR stuff so you would see things on the screen but they're not actually there in real life you know what I mean oh so yeah. that's that's already an ad in itself so every time I think when a person uses it like I think you know it would get marketed to the to the company or to the organization etc that's yeah super so cool. Yeah, it's super neat because like we wouldn't really think about that as like an AR ad, but it most definitely is. And we haven't seen that before, like, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't yeah. be a thing. Like that, that was just so, so bizarre. But now it's become such a, like a natural thing for us. Like it's like an everyday thing. Like, oh, just using Snapchat filters, you know, we can have mm. like a dancing Shrek on our computer, <laughs> but it's not actually there in real life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know um, what you mean. But yeah, I was just looking through Google at the moment and I noticed and didn't realize until just recently that there are already movies that you can watch on VR headsets. So yeah, so all three Matrix movies, um, Ready Player One, Ultron movies. Oh, I do remember Ready Player One actually being available on VR headsets, but I just thought that was because it was like specific to the movie, right? Because it's all about gaming and virtual reality. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. But like, I didn't realize you could watch all of the Matrix movies on the VR. I know. Isn't that, I had no idea because I thought that Matrix was a little bit older because it. I think the first one came out in 1999. So I was like, mm, yeah. I wonder how they adapted this for the VR headset. But yeah, I think because there are so many, not so many, but there's definitely a handful of movies that you can watch on your VR headset. I think, you know, sometime down the line, this would become more accessible for us and we'll be able to watch films and movies, not in theaters, but in our very own headsets. Yeah, that would be super cool. That actually got me to thinking about um, one of the things I actually wanted to talk about today, which was um, the Oscars and like Mm -hmm. um, award shows and the fact that like a lot of these streaming platforms are getting flack for wanting to actually be part of like the Oscar polls that are happening Mm -hmm. yearly, right? And so I guess like a lot of them were talking about like what constitutes a movie and what content what is just tv Mm -hmm. right because you know everyone counts netflix or amazon as like a streaming platform it's its own new thing it's not cable it's not a film that's being launched and so Mm. a lot of people have beef with netflix for wanting to enter some of their really incredible original content to these award shows I think that's interesting because despite the fact that like, I think it was Roma, which was like the black and white film mm. by Netflix. And then The Crown, which is like a recent TV show by Netflix as well. They're both Netflix originals. Mm-hmm. Um, they both received Golden Globe Awards. Interesting. With, with hesitation, I think. There was a lot of controversy, like you mentioned, um, surrounding Netflix as as a streaming online service mm-hmm. to receive these awards because, you know, before there were very like prestigious um, award shows only presented to incredible filmmakers and like well-renowned filmmakers and directors and, and artists and such. But now, you know, there's so much hesitation with presenting this to Netflix because I think they're worried that this might open the gates to, you know, having Hulu and like Amazon prime, for instance, to like create their own things and have it being, you know, as a competitor to 
you know, Christopher Nolan's, yeah, yeah, Christopher Nolan's like arts or like, yeah. um, you know, Michael Bay, for instance. I don't know if he has like any awards. Maybe he does. <laughs> Anyways, um, probably like Michael a Teen Bay. Choice Award or something. <laughs> maybe who knows? But, um, but basically, like it, uh, I looked into it. I was like, what What are the requirements for something to be able to be like entered into the Oscars? Uh -huh. And so basically, they were saying that in order to qualify, Netflix needed to air their film their films, whatever they wanted to get into the Oscars for a, a certain period of time in theaters in order for it oh. to qualify. But I don't think, interesting, because I don't think Roma has been shown in theaters and neither with The Crown. Like The Crown is a TV show, um, but I don't think either of those have been shown in any theater across mm. the world, you know? Um, yeah. But that also I, I, feel, think... I feel like I feel like Roma actually was. Let me just check. Um, okay. But um, with with TV, do you wonder? Do you think that if they created like a separate category for for streaming platforms in the Oscars and in uh, in the Emmys or the Golden Globes or whatever, that it would actually be the change that needs to happen in order to See, make people happy? Look, I don't really know. I think that's a little bit debatable just because if Netflix is creating their own original content and they're not just like you know showing other people's content on there on the streaming platform if they're actually genuinely creating their own original mm -hmm. films and tv shows what like how would that set them apart from 20th century fox how would that mm -hmm. set them apart from like a24 for instance they're all video and film production companies mm -hmm. why can't they be like shown within the same category for what yeah. they are like um best tv presenter or like best score for instance yeah. why do they have to be in a separate category you know if they're all just the same well, not the same like obviously one has been around longer than others totally. i think netflix is definitely a bit more a bit more juvenile a bit more new and novice uh, mm -hmm. compared to 20th century fox and paramount and dreamworks for instance yeah. but i think you know they should have the ability to be ranked within the same categories against the same other production companies too like i think it's only fair you know yeah and i think i think uh room for for growth for both both netflix and for these production companies is like if netflix took the initiative to actually sign like i don't know a 10 10 15 picture deal with said like production company to be like hey let's co-produce these films like mm -hmm. like let's just agree as part of a contract to co-produce 10 15 films over the course of the next i don't know 10 years something like that right and then they would be able to coexist and create something amazing mm -hmm. i think that when you put two of those things together like you could come up with something really really cool yeah um, but uh, I think going it's... back to sorry, going back to Roma, um, it had its world premiere at the 75th Venice International Film Festival, um, where it won like the Golden Lion. And then it okay. had a limited theatrical run in the United States um, before streaming on Netflix in the U.S. Oh. and other territories. OK, good to know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think if if Netflix is creating such incredible content with zero B-lists, actors like you know mm -hmm. they're using adam driver for a marriage story for instance which yeah. has received a lot of yeah. a lot of praise especially from the golden globes i think received a nomination from the golden globe awards yeah. um like why why wouldn't that be any different from the other production companies you know 
and I actually looked into that. I was like, why, why is it the case? And I think it's a matter of like old farts, just not getting with mm. the program <laughs> because some of the people were saying like, we are the motion picture Academy, not mm. the TV Academy, not the streaming services Academy. So mm -hmm. they're trying to like almost retain this, this like high standard or like this um, kind of, Aura like of like prestige, or, yeah, prestige yeah. of like their them being like the cool kids or like the elite when it comes to film, and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, y'all think you're elite, but this is the first. Twenty twenty was the first year that Best Picture was won by a not English film. How mm -hmm. elite are you guys? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so true. I think they just need to step up their game. No offense. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm totally with you on that. Adapt, overcome, yeah, and conquer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, um, I I know that you've watched Parasite. You definitely have, right? I did twice in cinemas. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. And like the fact is is that it deserved the Oscar. It totally did. And the fact that it only happened this year is like for the first time year. ever. Last it's year. Crazy. It's, or, or it's yeah, twenty twenty one now. Oh my god, it's twenty twenty one. I know it's it's weird, hey. But yeah, yeah I feel like it, it's just twenty twenty one is just twenty twenty with sunglasses on. I think it's just twenty twenty two point oh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it feels that way at least. But just to loop back into you know what's ahead of us with media and how this would impact media industries in the future, I also wrote here that using AI and machine learning to serve data analytics to marketers and companies. Um, so that they could better understand audiences, um, audiences and consumers, mm -hmm. which is honestly great for us in so many different ways, because like, that means more media um, is curated to our interests and hobbies, our likes, wants and needs. Yeah. Um, but there's also like a fine balance between what is useful and informative, and then invasive, like people's on privacy, right? But I mean, a cool factor is definitely Spotify creating like personalized playlists for us. I think that's so neat. And like, you know, Spotify creating wrapped for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're just using AI and machine learning to to create a, and, you know, curate a better playlist um, to what we want. And just like merge all of this information and collect all of this information to just create something that we can look back on and just see see what we've done with this media that we've been consuming for so long right yeah absolutely and like daniel newman's forb article that i mentioned previously um he states that this means regardless of what channel we are consuming media on we will see more advertising as our data continues to proliferate like these uh, means of advertisements will be more and more tailored to our individual musings and so like i you know mentioned previously i think there'll be more ads and more advertisements in every single streaming device and on-demand television on our mobile devices and on netflix for instance i think there'll be more of these occurring um just because we're not watching them on in cinemas i mean yeah and actually consumer behavior has also changed so rapidly during the pandemic content con consumption shifted to the digital so much during this past year and like you know 2020 or 2022.0 right now yeah. um <laughs> but youtube is now seeing a 6.5 time increase in usage wow. um, especially in the uk for instance 
So I think consumer active engagement with like brands has become so virtual um, and it's become hundred percent digital right now. So, oh, also here, (laughs) another note. I was like, you know, I think in the future for us, everything will gradually become and progress to be so on demand for us, even Mm -hmm. for our smartphones and mobile devices. Like when was the last time that you left the house without your phone? Do you remember? Uh... No, I don't. I don't remember. I actually do that little dance right before I leave. You know, if I don't have my phone, I'm like, oh, where do I put it? And then um, it like, turns out it's in pockets. my pocket the entire time. Yeah, you gotta like do that little like hand pocket thing where you can like yeah. pat down your pockets and like tap your shoulders and like your pants and stuff. Yeah. Um. And then when was the last time you've ever felt anxious or concerned that you left your phone somewhere or like lost in the back of a cab, for instance? Uh. Well, I mean, since we're not going out anymore. More 2019 right. <laughs> um but for getting my phone or losing my phone literally like two days ago <laughs> really yeah i i was i i was like i remembered putting it somewhere within view and then i mm. went somewhere and did something else without it on me because i was in the apartment and then i right. thought i lost it and i left it at the grocery store <laughs> oh my it, goodness it was just like somewhere else in the house <laughs> Yeah, I I have the exact same freak out. And it's just like, it's over such as like a small minuscule item. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, this, this item, like this smartphone has become like such a extension to us in such a healthy way where we need to have it on us at all times. And I think this is like the basis of why I think that everything's going to be into our smartphone because we're going to be seeing everything through a smartphone. It's an, atten- it's an extension of us, mm-hmm. how we receive information, media, content, um, TV shows, um, YouTube videos as well. Like it's become such a huge part of us that I think that's going to really be the main source of, of everything for us dig- yeah. digitally or not. So yeah. yeah, going forward into the future. Look out microchip. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what's in the vaccine, but I'll take it. <laughs> but I think that's actually a great way to wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks so much for listening to this episode uh, on media and its transformation. Annika, where can people find us? Great question, Rithu. <laughs> you can find us on our socials at Here to Chit Talk on Instagram for more fun clips and sneak previews, or on our website, chittalkpodcast.com, for other episodes, blog posts, features, and more. So, yeah, follow us on there. And thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye.